welcome to episode six of Live from Vader's Castle. I'm joined with my co-host, Dan McCrory. Hello there. Hello, how are you, mate? <laughs> that was such a robotic hello there. <laughs> I said hello and then halfway through realised I needed to chuck a there in there. And then... I mean, God, it's, it's got to be done. Yeah, I know. We still, we're still struggling with our intro set. I feel like maybe 20 episodes down the line, we might actually be good at this. Yeah, I mean, I think we should just start... Um, we should copy the sound from Revenge of the Sith of uh, Kenobi being Grievous and just have that as the intro. Then yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe we should just pre-record it and then every time we just change six or seven, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so we don't so we don't have to go through this whole this whole thing every week. Yeah, get that get it nice and on point. Exactly. But, how how are you, John? Yeah, not too bad. I've literally just come off watching. This week's episode of The Bad Batch. Um, it's fresh so it's, in your mind. It is, it is fresh in my mind. I've got I've got my talking points that I enjoyed. You know, I've got theories for next week. It's oh, all exciting. All up here, don't you worry. Yeah, but, you? Uh, you? Oh, I've I've been been gifted with a chance to watch it twice today, which has been nice. Um yeah, I watched it this morning, fairly early doors, and then I watched it a second time this afternoon, just because I had a bit of time spare and I thought, oh go on in. I could watch it a second time. <clears throat> but I also did watch episode one and two again last night. Um, so yeah, I've, I've consumed quite a bit of Bad Batch the last couple of days, which has been good. Nice. Um, how do you feel about today's episode? Ooh, good? I'm, I'm feeling good about today's episode, actually. I liked it. I um, still haven't decided whether I prefer it, where it ranks in comparison to last week. I think the first episode for me is still the top. I think last week and this week is probably fairly neck and neck for me. I like them both. Um, didn't quite hit the highs of that first episode, but I think you know, whenever Star Wars has Order 66, it sort of just <laughs> automatically does really well. So that's no criticism on these last two episodes. I thought they were pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this one, um, again, not exactly as action-packed as episode one, but I feel like... Uh, obviously we'll talk about it more later, but I feel like I had some some key points about more transition from uh, Republic to Empire, some nice building blocks for characters along the way. I, you know, I think it was a good episode that will obviously, in the whole 16, I think fits in quite nicely, but after the uh, glory of episode one, I feel like the next couple of episodes are always going to seem a bit uh, not, not quite up there. So I'm, I'm, I'm still excited about where we're going to go with it though. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think um, there's some interesting story stuff which is getting laid down in this episode um, and it's developing quite interestingly. So we shall see where it continues to go. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this one kind of had the same vibes as um, <clears throat> obviously uh, starting off with them crashing on the moon. Uh, had the same vibes as that episode from Rebels. I, I got that vibe mm-hmm. instantly. Um, yeah, it also gave me, a, gave me a bit of a vibe right. to um, Clone Wars as well. I'm pretty sure they crashed on moons a couple of times in Clone Wars too. Mm. Yeah, it just seemed like a, a staple for like, an episode. <laughs> the perils of space is that you're going to crash on a moon every now and again. Yeah, it's got to happen. It's unrealistic if you don't crash on a moon every now and then. Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought it was a really good episode, actually. I um, <clears throat> I really enjoyed the character stuff they're doing with... Um, yeah. 
well, obviously with Hunter and Omega, but then they've also thrown in, I think, a big bit with uh, Rekka there as well, which um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to. I certainly have some really theories good. about what's happening with Rekka. Yes, I feel like we've probably got the same idea. Well, we haven't yeah. spoken about it, so it'll be interesting to see no, we actually what haven't. your idea is. But... We, we normally have a little bit of a theorised during the day, just over text, but there's been none of that. So it's all, uh, I'm assuming we're probably thinking the same thing, but I can't know for sure. Yeah, oh, it'll be interesting when we get to it later on in the episode. But yeah, this um, episode was called Replacements. Um, I think quite aptly titled, considering that they were both looking for replacement parts for the ship and also clones were getting replaced with non-clones on the Empire side of the story. So I can understand why they called it replacements. It definitely fit with the themes of what was going on. And yeah, I mean, should we, should we just sort of go through, go through the beats of uh, what was happening? Mm. Because um, the episode kicked off with, Omega chilling on the gonk droids. <laughs> this gonk droid's becoming one of my favourite. A big gonk droid episode as well. Background addition to the Bad Batch's <laughs> ship. You know, whether it's Wrecker just pressing in with his arm or, um, in this case, Omega sleeping right up against the gonk droid. He's there. He's having fun. Um, I thought it opened up with a nice little bit when um, Hunter goes to feed Omega and Wrecker and Wrecker's like, I want more food. And then I don't know why he sounds like he's from New York. He's not from New York. Um, <laughs> I'm not good at impressions. And then Omega's like, oh, you can have mine. And then Hunter's like, no, Wrecker, you you need to uh, look after this kid. And Wrecker has that moment. He's like, yeah, I guess I don't don't know what to do when there's a child around, which I thought loops itself quite nicely with what happens at the end of the episode. But yeah, I thought that was a nice yeah. little introduction of just seeing them still getting used to this whole aspect of having a child on board. Yeah, I mean, I think like a character like Wrecker is one of those ones where he will do something and then think about it afterwards. Like he just, you know, he'll blow something up, he'll do what he wants. And then the repercussions of that, he'll just deal with afterwards. He's one of those guys. So I think having to deal with um, Omega as like a child and actually think about think about things before you do them. I think that's going to be like a big character development for him. <laughs> yeah. I was, when I was rewatching it last night, uh, the first episode last night, the bit that really cracked me up was in the first episode when he said, I like to blow stuff up because I like to blow stuff up. And I was like, yeah, this guy just <laughs> doesn't really think before he acts. He just does stuff, which I think is a nice, um, he's childish in his behavior. And yet he's been put as a responsibility, you know, figure for a child. So I think it's a nice little contrast there that you've got with Rekka. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely excited to see uh, if he like grows up a little bit throughout the episode, but then if he doesn't, you know, that's fine. That's who he is. <laughs> I don't think he's going to like become like as responsible as like Hunter or, like Echo or something towards the end of the series, but as long as he grows up a little bit and takes takes her under his wing a bit, which I feel like he will. Yeah, I'm fun. sure. I'm sure he will. I, I'm I am really liking Wrecker so far. Um, so yeah, from there we find out that the ship has been damaged from the little firefight that happened um, in Salukamai last episode. So they get dumped out of hyperspace and they crash land on a desolate moon. Um, however, Tech, whilst he was piloting, 
is like working on a little device, which he says is a scanner that can be used to sort of pick up the inhibitor chips. And I think that little little scanner could come in handy in future episodes <laughs> if some of my theories are correct. Yeah, I feel like that scanner is definitely going to be a um, a nice little prop addition to the uh, to the series. It's definitely going to be used at some point in the next couple of episodes, I think. And then as the show goes on, maybe they'll expand on it a bit more and bring in some of the other clones that we've seen um, yeah. in further shows like uh, Wolf and Wolf and Gregor. Gregor. Yeah, maybe, maybe they'll use that for them. Yeah, I'd imagine. I'd imagine that that might be where the connection is, but we shall we shall see. Um, also, just pointed out, I'm quite liking this little tech and echo combo going on at the moment. They seem like they've become a bit of a duo. They're sort of like the the science guys, you know. Tech's the really smart one, and then Echo's the hacker one, and the two of them as a little combo. They seem to be getting a lot of screen time together, whether it's like piloting the ship together or when they land going out to fix the ship. You know, I'm liking that little combo, the tech and echo combo. Techo, that's what I'm calling them. <laughs> yeah, I think obviously, you know, it's obvious that their enhancements go like hand in hand. Obviously, as you said, you've got tech who's the smart one and echo who uh, can, you know, splice things with his droid hand, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think another big part of their relationship, which I definitely noticed in this episode, is I think tech gets a bit carried away with his tech and like information and i think echo kind of um like brings him to like more of a human level just when obviously they were talking about uh, a couple of things like at the start we we're talking, talking about the um scanner and obviously the scanner is important and tech wants to do it but then echo points out you know that they needed stuff done with the ship and then i think in previous episodes tech's just like assumed that everyone knows what he's talking about or like everyone just knows the same amount of information as him yeah. and i think echo like brings him down to like their level to make sure that while it's good that he's like that, he needs to like <laughs> be included with everyone, include everyone yeah. else. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they bounce off each other really well. Cause tech, if he was left to his own devices, he would, I mean, he'd literally be left to his own devices. Wouldn't he He'd be faffing about with tools and gadgets and all this sort of thing and assuming everyone's on the same level as he is up to date information and stuff. So it's good that he's got echo there just to sort of be like, you know, come on, mate, fill us in. Yeah, I think they work together really well with that. But yeah, as you said, they're getting so much more screen time together, I think, especially with the, um, at the start of the episode, and obviously they go out together to fix the ship, mm-hmm. and then they get left on the ship together. I know Wreck is there as well, but yeah. really, I seem to be building on the fact that these two are, are there as a pair. Yeah, they've got a little bit of a buddy cop thing going on. I'm quite liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, obviously they crash on the planet the moon and um, which doesn't have a name from as far as i'm concerned um and we do notice that wrecker has quite a bump on his head on the way down um which seems to be hurting him quite a bit he seems to be clutching his head quite a bit saying he's in pain which um i must admit first time around when i was watching it didn't really clock on to how obvious they were making it, but <laughs> the more I sort of lent into it, I was like, right, they're making it really obvious that his head's hurting. And this is the guy who's just been shot quite a few times and seemed to get fussed about being shot. So um, there's definitely something going on here. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, as you said, like I watched it 
<clears throat> like his head and I was like oh he's his head nothing special and he mentioned it and I was like again like, oh, I'm sure his head just hurts or, you know etc etc and then it was like right at the end of the episode he mentioned it again and I was like this is I think that's when it clicked for me I was like oh oh no 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 please no <laughs> he's going on and going on about this head I mean we may as well just talk about it now I think yeah <clears throat> we probably got the same theory here that him banging his head might have be might mean that the chip, the inhibitor chip, is starting to do something to him. Um, that is what I'm thinking is going on. Yeah, same. I mean, perhaps in the next couple episodes, he may lose control <laughs> and become a good soldier that follows orders like Crosshair has. Yeah, I mean, who was the original? clone that hit his head and then turned and then activated his order 666 early. Um, I think it's Top. Yeah. yeah. Top was his name. He whacks his head, doesn't he? With um, Which then leads to the whole that's how Fives found out about the yeah, chip. Yeah, yeah, he top whacks his head, his head and then just murders his Jedi, doesn't he? Yeah, and then yeah, he sits there muttering, good soldiers must follow orders for about 15 minutes for then killed um, the Jedi he was serving with. So I mean, banging your head clearly is uh, is not a good thing to yeah. do if you're a clone. Fact, yeah, as you said, the fact he's mentioned it that much after being shot, and he kind of just brushed that off. The fact that he's mentioned his head so much, I just I feel like it's not looking good for uh, for Rekka. Yeah, and yeah, and I've seen some people point out that like where he's like clutching on his head is in the rough vicinity that the chip is in. So, yeah, I don't think it's looking good. I think they're really going to be pulling on our heartstrings if we've got, you know, Rekka turns around and, you know, turns on the on the Bad Batch because <clears throat> Rekka's such a sort of lovable child of the group. So it's, um, yeah, Dave Filoni knows how to make us feel things. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where Filoni's going to go with it because I feel like the hopeful part of me is that, you know, that they is that Tech finishes his scanner and then maybe Echo starts going on a bit like Crosshair where it's like a bit weird. And you know how in the first like episode, and t- and, uh, first episode they were like, you know, what what's up with you, Crosshair? Like, why are you being so weird? I'm kind of hoping that maybe um, Wrecker will start the same way and just be a bit like, we need to do this or we need to go like back to Camino and like uh, follow Tarkin's orders. And they're like, well, you're being a bit weird. And then yeah. Tech will scan him and they'll figure out and get it get it out that's the hopeful part of me yeah i hope that's what happens i hope it's like uh because it's wrecker and because he's you know the the fun one i'm hoping his thing's very much like a contained within an episode like oh no wrecker's programming has taken over him don't worry tech will come to the rescue they might have to you know have a fight with him because he's a big brute and he might punch him about a little bit but ultimately by the end of the episode they'll save him that's my hope um, I do not want do not want Rekka to like go full crosshair for the rest of the series or for him to die because I don't think I could take that. No, yeah. I'm just hoping that because I think it'll be so far out of his character to be like that that they'll catch on quicker than they did crosshair because I think crosshair was always like not one that was one for like following orders as they said as the hunter says to him but he was always a bit you know grumpy and like, argumentative about something yeah. so yeah it was a bit of a kind of could have brushed it off mm. but i think with wrecker it'd be a lot more noticeable to them hopefully yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll see it coming yeah so i think that's um that's definitely one one big question 
that this episode has left, left hanging, cause for concern at the moment. Um, and then the next little bit was Omega found Crosshair's sort of box of weapons and um, made the Bad Batch quite sad. Rick had that bit when he was like, well, no one else is going to say it. I miss him. Um, so clearly that they are feeling a bit down bad about uh, about Crosshair. And um, they're having that sort of, they're really questioning now, like, was it really him who attacked them or is it the chip? And um, Omega makes it quite clear that, you know, the chip, it was the chip. <laughs> That's a terrible Omega as well. Goodness me. Um but yeah, I think that at this point they're starting to figure out that, you know, something's happened to Crosshair and he hasn't just betrayed them. Yeah, I think a big part of it as well, especially with um I feel like Hunter is that he feels like really like responsible for it or he feels like really guilty about it. <clears throat> it's not just the fact that his friends turned on him, it's like he seems to blame himself for it. Yeah, he because I mean carry that sort of burden with him. Yeah, as soon as they had that conversation, he just wanted to move on to the next thing. And then it wasn't mm. till, till like Omega was speaking to him outside later on in the episode that he sort of, you know, admitted that actually he's angry at himself for leaving Crosshair behind, mm. um, which I think is a good, very interesting sort of dilemma that they're all going through, which further sort of boosts my theory that they're going to redeem Crosshair by the end of the series. Although he's made it a bit more difficult to be redeemed this episode, I must say. Yeah, I mean, the man's a savage. But, you know, you, you can't blame him. Good, so, good soldiers follow orders. <laughs> this is true, they do. Any action, any action any clone undertakes while under Order 66, instantly excused. <laughs> um, so then we go back to Camino and Tarkin is obviously doing more experimentation on Crosshair with Nala Say. I get the two of them confused. I think Nala Say is the, the medical Kaminoan and then Lama Su is the prime minister anyway he's with one of the Kaminoans and then this new Chavi a rampart his name is he's a bit of a dick to be honest he rocks up and him and Tarkin are now working together on something called Project War Mantle now some eagle-eyed people on Twitter not me I'm not smart enough to notice this but they noticed that Project War Mantle was actually named in Rogue One apparently um, I'm not sure what the context is. I think it's like a list of all these like imperial projects or programs and stuff. And Project War Mantle is one of them. So there's a cheeky little connection there. But I think this oh, cool. this, uh, this could boost another one of my theories that I'm uh, I'm thinking up at the moment. But um, essentially, what they do is they bring in conscripted soldiers or you know volunteer soldiers. They're non-clones. They're people. People. Um, and Crosshair is going to lead this new elite squad that Tarkin and Rampart are sort of testing to figure out, you know, what the future of the Imperial Army is. Is it clones or is it, you know, non-clones? Yeah, I feel like they were definitely hinting at um, the fact that for a while they want to keep it like a mixture, but then this, I think def- definitely yeah. save money. Yeah. Tarkin wants to get rid of the clones because as, you know, as he says, it's a... What his words? He said it was um, cost ineffective or something like that. Cost ineffective, yeah. like ancient or like old technique or something. Yeah, something like that. Basically implying that like it's old fashioned and expensive to have clones. Um, yeah. And you could just get normal people to sign up for free, and all you got to do is pay the training, I suppose. 
yeah, and then that Rampart guy makes the point that you can get more loyalty from you know willing recruits who believe in what the Empire stand for than you can from clones who you're sort of forcing to do your bidding. Um, which I think is quite a quite an interesting point. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some some interesting stuff going on in Camino. Um, and then after that, we we come back to the moon and Echo and Tech, the duo, are installing this new capacitor into the ship. And uh, then spooky Star Wars stuff happens when uh, felt a little bit like Empire Strikes Back when Echo notices something in the dark, some sort of alien. It's cutting about around the ship, scratch marks on the plane. And then this weird dragon looking thing steals the capacitor and the ship is still broken. <laughs> yeah. It, actually, that's a good chat. I didn't think of that at the time. That is, yeah, very reminiscent of uh, Empire when Han and that are in the meteorite. Yeah, inside, inside the big creature worm thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, um, the Minox cutting about, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean... It's a classic. I think it's a classic trope in definitely. I think Star Wars at the moment, where you land on a you know a, a desolate moon or planet or whatever, and something comes along and takes your thing that you need to fix your ship or thing. But you know, <laughs> I think it, it obviously it's a it's a common plot thing. But I think the way they um, what they intertwined into it, I think definitely makes it worth it. Yeah, I mean, they, they do this a lot in the animated shows where they sort of use, as you said, these sort of quite common plot devices, but they use them for the purpose of, you know, developing a character or developing a relationship between two characters. And I think this sequence with the Bad Batch was very reminiscent of that, um, which I don't think is a problem as long as they don't use it too much. But I think this was a, you know, gave Omega and Hunter the chance to go off and search for the Aldo Moon Dragon, as it was called. Um, to get the capacitor back but that whole sort of journey with the two of them you know with Hunter admitting that he's angry himself and Echo not Echo Omega sort of learning about his tracking enhancements that he's got from his genetics and uh, sort of picking up the dirt and like trying to sniff it like he does to sort of you know trying to learn from him yeah I mean it's, it's as I said you know they intertwined it with good things which is obviously the character development and the relationship development between um hunter and omega so i think it's fine yeah as long as they use it sparsely and don't have it too much and then when they do use it there's definitely like a, a background purpose to it not just to fill screen time i think that's you know perfectly fine and it, it yeah. works in this episode yeah i thought it was i thought it was cool i, I like the little the new creature looked quite cool and the spooky moon was quite cool as well um, and then I thought the whole bit with Omega having to go down into the the nest or whatever it was, crawling through the sort of moon craters to um, get the capacitor back and ultimately like figure out that the uh, that the the dragon is just hungry. So instead of you know trying to shoot it, she just gave it the torch and uh, snuck her way out. And I thought the design, you know, when it ate the energy and its body like pulsed green, I thought it was all very cool. I um, I did like that little bit. It was, it was good fun. Yeah, it was a, it was a nice little bit. I think a good, um, a nice little arc, not arc, like a little moment for um, 
Omega there where she's Hunter's obviously incapacitated because his mask gets hit off so he like breathes in the gas or whatever's on the moon and gets knocked out for a bit the lack of so, gas yeah or that, yeah so um yeah Omega has to take it upon herself and it's like a, a big moment for her and I, yeah I like how she she was keen enough to notice that you know she didn't need to blast the hell out of that creature she just you know noticed that it was hungry and gave it the, the flashlight which I think is a nice moment for her because obviously she's only a child yeah and continuing and, to solidify her place in the team isn't she and she's not just yeah. hopeless um what is it that Obi-Wan says another hopeless creature oh what in Phantom Menace another <laughs> useless life, useless form, life form that's it yeah useless life form <laughs> <Josh> Arpings, yeah. <laughs> he's not yeah. she's not a useless life form she's actually does have some uses oh. quite competent which i think is a good little development yeah. for a character that's not about jar jar binks is it it's about anakin because they already picked up jar jar binks yeah that's all right yeah <laughs> everyone's talking about anakin other, yeah. <laughs> life form. yeah another useless life form yeah, yeah, yeah um but yeah i mean the question is as well as we talked about previous podcasts is you know could this be another hint at a force sensitivity where she's felt the emotions of this uh yeah dragon through you know noticing that it was following the flashlight but then sensing its hunger through the force maybe or yeah true motivations through the force i wasn't sure when i was watching it i was i didn't know if i was getting ezra vibes at the whole you know sensitivity towards like creatures that ezra has in rebels or if it was simply her not being you know, not being stupid and thinking, right, let's use my brain a little bit here. Mm. This Donnie's clearly hungry. I'm not sure. I think if it ends up that she is force sensitive, I think that moment solidified it even more. If it ends up that she's not, I think the moment still works. It just proved that she was smart, I guess. Um, But yeah, I couldn't quite tell. I couldn't quite tell if I was getting, you know, force communication vibes here or if it was just, you know, some common sense yeah i think it was clever um well i'm assuming it was uh feloni is smart enough to like have something like that because i feel like he's definitely left the breadcrumbs and i feel like this moment is he's smart enough to leave it up in the air to be like maybe you could argue either way um so then i have to find out yeah there's definitely some some breadcrumbs being left for sure um right so when meanwhile whilst all of this is happening we've got another the other main storyline of the episode going on where Tarkin sends Crosshair and the elite squad off to Onderon back to Onderon see if they can finish what Hunter couldn't finish and uh kill Saw Gerrera and I like the scene on the ship on the way there when you've got this he's a bit of like I guess he's like he's a bit cocky he's a bit of a chad isn't he he's like he's like the the chad of the soldiers like beefing with crosshair a little bit like saying oh you're just a clone like you're going to be irrelevant soon and crosshair clearly not been happy about that so that sets up just a little bit of tension between the two of them which obviously in the next scene (laughs) pays off big time (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean um I remember, I think I remember on Twitter, like when the trailer first came out, we saw uh, there's a couple images of um, that squad with like the dark gray, almost like black armor and the green visors. Um, people are like, oh, is this like a, an elite clone squad that have been sent to like hunt the Bad Batch? Or, like clones going to be hunting 
clones, etc., that sort of thing. So I think it's nice to find out that they are like the first like constricted soldiers. Um, yeah. Which again, yeah, links nicely to the title of the um, the episode. yeah. They are the replacements of the clones. Yeah. So these are like the first like, tier one stormtroopers, I suppose. Yeah. Like, these are the first ones that they're going to eventually start. And I thought it was, it was interesting when, you know, in the scene just beforehand when AZ, the medical droid, was like testing the, the cocky Chad guy. Um, and, you know, he was saying, I've I've joined the Empire because I'll get paid, they'll feed me and they'll give me a, a roof over my head, which is more the Rep- than the Republic ever would. So it sort of just shows like why soldiers ended up joining. You know, they, they actually wanted to. <laughs> They, it wasn't just like forced conscription like they believed in the empire and they were like yeah like believe in the empire but also they're going to feed me put a roof on my head get a bit of money no can't complain it's a job job's a job yeah I mean is this uh, is this Dave Filoni following in George Lucas's steps of like uh, taking up a stand against like the man because I feel like a lot of people that's what a lot of people say when they go and join the army anyway you know that's like a job roof over your head etc etc it's like Dave Filoni or the writers having a dig like George Lucas did in the original trilogy. I'm sure. I'm sure everything's a dig. You know, Star Wars is very political. People like to it, pretend yeah. that it's not, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought straight away. I was like, oh, that sounds very similar to, you know, what you've seen in all the films when people join the army and stuff. Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, this is obviously very early days in the Empire, but we know that sort of, you know, when the reign of the Empire is fully... Um, you know, deep in, we know that people are joining up with the Empire left, right, and centre because, you know, they're born into this world. They see the Empire everywhere, the greatness of the Empire, and they're like, oh, I want to be an Imperial, you know, pilot when I'm older. I want to be a TIE fighter pilot, all this sort of stuff. Um, one of the books I'm reading at the moment is all about that, like kids wanting to join the Empire. But this is like right at the beginning when no one really knows what the empire is yet, but you've still got these folk out there just like, you know, the Republic never did anything for me, but on the empire, it looks like it might get paid quite well. Um, so it's interesting to see those threads starting to get laid down here. Yeah. And um, I suppose I'll make another political point. Um, it's very similar. I suppose you can very, you can argue similarities. I'm not an expert, but like we all know, like the original trilogy, like was like George Lucas had the empire as like a, a stand-in for a couple of, like regimes, and one of them was like <clears throat> the Nazi regime. I suppose. Um, and then I suppose, not that I'm a massive history buff, but you know, Hitler was like voted in, and people wanted like the Nazis and stuff at first. And I feel like mm-hmm. could this be a similar thing for like the Empire? Is like people yeah, wanted think... or joined up not knowing like the ulterior motives that the leader yeah. is behind it. You know, the Emperor. No one knows that the Emperor is like a big evil dictator. They just think he's like you know the ruler of the yeah. galaxy you know, as, I'm pretty uh, sure in interviews stuff, George has said that at least in the prequel trilogy Palpatine's rise to power was meant to mimic Hitler mm. um, with the sort of using democracy to, <laughs> so using like pushing your way through democracy into dictatorship and sort of mm-hmm. in the guise of democracy I think he has said that in interviews before um, but he's also said in interviews that in the original trilogy the Empire were meant to represent the USA <laughs> so you know <laughs> he, likes to, he likes to make his political points yeah take, <laughs> take from it what you will yeah. depending on what who you want to bash you know the Nazis or the US you know take it how you will uh, <laughs> But 
Yeah, I thought that's uh, not nice. not the view not the view of the podcast that the two things are the same. <laughs> just to any of our American listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I like how Dave um obviously you know studied under george etc seems to be following along the same uh lines about how the empire the similarities of the empire to like real world examples and yeah how that's yeah. working along yeah. in like such small details that then actually add up to be quite i think the the second that something ceases to be star wars is when it loses track of like the key themes of star wars you know family you know anti-war um freedom versus dictatorship like all all these like key themes of star wars like every single show or film has them to an extent and as soon as one of them doesn't have it you know that it's not quite it's not quite star wars mm-hmm. so it's good to see the bad batch is still still keeping in line with all these very key themes wider themes yeah definitely um so i guess we should probably talk about the uh, the super dark <laughs> scene on Onderon, which I really did not expect them to to do in a kid show. They find a large group of Saw Gerrera's rebels, whether this is they're calling themselves the partisans, yeah, I'm not sure, but it's a group of Saw Gerrera's rebels and civilians. Um, they engage them, they fight them, the badasses, the elite squad, they're just... You know, dropping them one by one. One of them manages to get onto the ship, starts to take off the ship with all the civilians. He gets sniped through the window as he's like piloting the ship. The ship lands and there is one rebel left who Crosshair asks for information about Saw. They say, I'm not going to give it to you. Crosshair just kills that rebel straight on the spot. And then says to execute civilians. Savage. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is exactly the orders that he was adamant to um, complete in episode one. You know, he was he was up for doing it then. Um, so there's no reason why he's not going to be up for doing it now. <laughs> yeah, and this is obviously how different the Empire is, you know, to the Republic. The Republic would have never killed unarmed civilians, but it's the Empire now. You know, Tarkin is a much more savage um, figure. You know, he's basically said, your orders are you just kill anyone you find. And uh, the guy who we thought was a bit of a cocky dickhead and the soldiers actually turns around and says, you know what? No, no we're not. We're soldiers, not executioners, which I thought was quite a, a nice line yeah. and sort of decides he's not going to, he's not going to do what Crosshair's saying. So Crosshair says, you know what? You're done for. It kills him. And then uh, the other elite troopers just open fire and murder civilians right in front of our eyes. So yeah, uh, I mean, there's going to be kids who are going to be scarred by this episode. <laughs> yeah, I think it was bad enough what they did. I think adding in the guy with the flamethrower makes it ten times worse. Because yeah, yeah, it wasn't. They didn't just kill was, them; they burnt some of them alive. Yeah, he, he was just going ham with it. Really, he was like, "Oh, we were like." I mean, they did the shooting was bad enough. Yeah, they did the sort of classic thing which you need to do on sort of shows that are aimed for young people, where like. The, you know what happens, but you're that you, the camera is only showing the reaction of the troopers doing it. But obviously, it's just the helmet; it's just a very blank reaction whilst you hear the shots being fired and people being burnt alive. Um, so obviously, it, it's not too over the top and violent and dark. It's still an animated show for young for for kids, but still, I was surprised at how dark they were willing to go. 
But I think thematically, you know, we're in the reign of the empire now. It's not the the nice, colourful years of the Republic. It's all dark now, and I think the show has to reflect that. And it's doing a it's doing a damn good job of doing so. <laughs> yeah, I liked um, I liked Cross's little line as well as you talk as we were saying earlier. Like it calls back to their conversation on the um, on the ship on the way there, where the guy was like, "Oh, like." Why does the empire's going to get rid of clones? Like you don't, they don't. Why do they need clones anymore? They got us, etc., etc. And then uh, obviously Crosshairs kills him, and is like, well, that's why the empire needs clones because you know we'll follow orders to the letter. And yeah, no, like, oh, no, fair point. It's in that cold, cold delivery of good soldiers follow orders. Um, like, D. Bradley, D. Bradley Baker, who is, if anyone who doesn't know, is the voice actor of all the clones. You know, at the end of the episode, it literally says Deep Badly Breaker, the Bad Batch. He plays all of them. <laughs> he's incredibly talented. But some of the voice acting that he's doing with Crosshair at the moment is stupidly good. He's really sinister. Um, I'm just really impressed. He deserves all the awards for this. He's a, it's a one-man tour de force. <laughs> he is, yeah. I watched, a, I think it was like a small clip on like TikTok of just him like talking about how each, how he came to like the, each one's voice and it was yeah he's the man is very talented yeah, about how seen he's that. Yeah. drawn their character into the voice because i you know as i said in previous episodes they, they could have made all the clones a blank slate and definitely with the bad batch they could have made them all sound like still sound the same as everyone else yeah and i don't think anyone would have really complained so then making it different and like having that individual individualness to each one i think is really really good and yeah it makes them really fits in uh fits with how unique they are uh, um, but yeah, so we had that pretty brutal scene on Onderon, which for me, I thought was the highlight of the episode. I don't know what you think, but for me, that was the highlight of the episode just because it was going to places I didn't expect the show to go. And it's really hammering down on like this, you know, this is the Empire now and the Empire do not have the they are the dark side essentially you know that the, the empire is shrouded in darkness and they're just willing to murder civilians and they will judge the quality of their soldiers whether it be clone or non-clone on whether they're willing to murder civilians so i think you know all the beats that they hit there were really interesting but quite frightening at the same time yeah i mean i completely agree it's Following on from last episode, we were saying about how they are showing how the clones in the Republic are changing into the Empire. And I think this is carrying it on not much further and giving us a, just a very clear picture of like, this is the Empire now, yeah. not the Republic. Even yeah. though there's some clones here, some clones there, this is the Empire. <laughs> yeah. I remember when they, like, when they first announced the Bad Batch and I, was, like, I wasn't too excited about it. And then... I like the characters, love the characters a, a lot more now. Now I've spent more time with them. But um, the thing that really caught me was that trailer that they released. And I was like, oh, wait, like, I'm so stupid. It's about like the post-Order 66 like galaxy. This is something we really haven't seen. And then as soon as I saw that, that was what got, got me excited. And these first three episodes so far has absolutely nailed that that aspect of the show is like seeing the galaxy post-Order 66, post the creation of the empire because it's a whole area that we know bits and bobs about but we're seeing that transition so clearly and i think that's you know alongside the the characters of the bad batch i think for me those are the two things about the show which are the absolute best yeah um 
the, yeah, I agree. It's showing like these are the the points that you wanted to get from the show. Like as you said, obviously you want to know more about the characters and have their story told. But then the almost like the background details of how the the um, Republic changed the Empire, I think, is just as fascinating as just as interesting a story that Dave Filoni has managed to beautifully weave into the yeah. character-driven stories of the yeah. actual Bad Batch. We do keep on saying Dave Filoni. They do have a massive writers team on this, but you know Dave Filoni's the the man at the top, the Lord and Savior. Um, but you know, I'm sure we should give credit to all the writers on the show because they're all doing a good job. But you know, yeah, <laughs> Dave's Dave's just the boss man who keeps them all in check. <laughs> Dave is the public figure that everyone gets to thank. Yeah, yeah, and then they're just the people in the background who get no thanks, but you know, they still worked hard. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and then sort of the last just of after Crosshair and Co comes back um, Tarkin and Admiral Rampart he now is called he's been promoted um, seem quite impressed with themselves they're thinking right okay so you know clones clearly serve a purpose for a little while longer but the future is you know no longer going to be clone so they sort of, sort of come to the decision right you know, let's continue with this this project of essentially phasing them out slowly over time. But let's remember sort of the use that we've got with the clones. So I thought that was sort of the decision that they came to there. Um, so it's definitely going to be an interesting path forward. And I'm I'm liking this new Admiral Rampart character. He's another one of these like great Imperial dickheads who um, serves a purpose. Yeah, I think the direction they're going as well to explain why the Empire doesn't use clones anymore is the one that just makes the most sense. Is the fact that, you know, it's it's cheaper, it's easier to just get people sign people to sign up and stuff like that. <clears throat> and then the fact that they're slowly phasing clones out instead of just being like, all right, that's it, no more clones, um, I think would have made no sense. So the fact that they're slowly phasing them out can make complete sense as well. Yeah, and the uh, fact they're seeing uses and clones like Crosshair with, you know, sort of advanced abilities. Um, yeah. Makes perfect sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was a very interesting scene between Nala Se and Lamasu, the Kaminoans, just afterwards. And this is a thing which has me with all sorts of theories that they're talking about. They've accepted that the Empire is not going to want them to make more clones and they need to figure out the next phase of cloning for them to, you know, prove that they have some sort of use left. Now, the suggestion was that they need the Bad Batch, or at least Omega. They need. They said that they need them, and hopefully that they'll, you know, they're probably not going to come back, but they're definitely talking about the Bad Batch. And they're sort of talking about moving cloning onto the next phase, like a, a version of a clone far superior to the, the Django Fett um, model, which they did say the Django Fett material is degrading, so there's no no Django Fett left. I've seen a lot of people theorising about what's going on here. I think this could be a wide array of stuff. Um, could this be them trying to create the first Force-sensitive clone? Have they already created the first Force-sensitive clone in Omega and they need her to continue to make more of them? Um, what could be going on here? Now, I've seen a very, very wild and wacky theory that a lot of people have been talking about. I did just notice earlier on YouTube that Star Wars Theory has also been talking about it as well. It seems to be all over the place. But um, people are talking about Starkiller from The Force Unleashed. <laughs> now, so what the point that people are making is that obviously in Force Unleashed 2, 
he was cloned. So they had a a um a cloned version and they're thinking that this could be Disney's way of bringing him into canon in their own way of like the force sensitive like clone that is created from all this meddling from the Kaminoans could be a version of Starkiller. Um I think it's a pretty wacky theory. I don't I kind of can't see it happening, but then if it does happen and they get Sam Witwer to voice him, I do think it'd be pretty <laughs> it would be pretty insane. Yeah, I'm just trying to think how it would work. Because yeah, that would be unreal to be honest. Because he'd have to be he'd be so overpowered that like Vader would have to kill him, you know, within a couple weeks of his creation. Yeah. <laughs> because he couldn't stay around for too long. But because um, obviously it throws like then it throws the whole Palpatine's return in the sequels like up in the air. That's really thrown me actually. Yeah, <laughs> that's like got my brain. That's got the gears yeah. spinning in my brain I've, about I've, how that how that allows in the Star Wars universe. I really don't think it's it's what's going to happen. But I just noticed so many people talking about it. I had to bring it up. I think it's a fun yeah, yeah. a fun theory. I think there's a lot of people out there who would like to see Star Killer brought into canon. And I think a lot of people think he just wouldn't work just because of, you know, the story of, you know, that's been established. He just wouldn't quite fit. But if they sort of changed him around, so he was like an early force sensitive clone that sort of just had stupid amount of power all of a sudden and threatened Vader and then Vader just ended him. I don't know. That could be cool. Don't think this is where the show's going to go, but you know, it's a fun theory. (laughs) I think, in my opinion, I think the best way to go about it would be to just, yeah, have him as like a clone they make to try and, you know, impress the Empire. But yeah, he only lasts a couple of weeks before maybe like his body degrades or something. So that there's like a oh, set yeah, reason as why cool. it can't be done multiple times or like stuff like that. Yeah. I think you could tell some interesting stories in the, the couple of weeks he's alive. I yeah. think. And I did, I did see um, someone pointed out, I can't remember who it was who pointed it out. I think it was just some random Don on Twitter. I usually just go on the hashtags and see what people are talking about. But the, the, they've got that Jedi body from that first episode, you know, on Camino. Uh, yeah. Could it be that then, you know, trying to, you know, I don't know. There's obviously something interesting going on with the Kaminoans and cloning and what they're going to clone and whether it's going to link to Palpatine and whether it's not, who knows. But it, uh, it raises some interesting questions. Yeah, and I mean, any any excuse to uh, bring back Sam Sam Witter, I love that man. What he's done, what he's contributed to the Star Wars universe is he's unbelievable. A, he's a big old nerd, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, bring any excuse to bring him back in, I'll, I'll back it 100%. Um, and then, I guess the final little bit to talk about for the episode was um, we see Crosshair sort of back in the Bad Batch's room and he looks at the little tally chart and it seems that there's some conflict going on within him. You know, in the good old fashioned Vader, I sense your conflict. I think, I think we're sensing a little bit of conflict in Crosshair. I think you might be missing the boys. Um, and then meanwhile, Rekka has made Omega her own room, which I thought was a very, very cute way to end the episodes. Um, yeah, I love that. <clears throat> it's, it's like, <clears throat> I think these first three episodes have done a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of Omega. The first one was like, yeah, we'll bring her along. The second one was like, she wants to stay with us so she can stay with us. And then the third one is like, she's not just like, um, cargo. She's one of the squad. Cause like the, the episode ends with Hunter saying, Oh, like you're part of the, 
the team or whatever. I think this episode like finally nailed that she's one of them. She is like one of the bad batch now. She's not just like extra cargo or whatever. Um, so I thought these like first three episodes done in terms of a mega story, it's done a lot of that heavy lifting already. So now we can just sort of go into the rest of the series, you know, with her established as a member of the team and then continue to do these interesting stuff of sort of, you know, <laughs> the parenting and all of that sort of stuff with each of them. I think Hunter has had a bit of a moment. Rekka got a bit of a moment in this episode. It'd be interesting to see if Tech and Echo get the same sort of moments further down the line. Um, but yeah, I really loved that little ending and the fact that he's given her his little um, Tuka doll as well. I thought it was pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I think I think the main reason I really like the ending was that it just, you know, links back so well to like, yeah, the themes of Star Wars as we were talking about earlier, you know, I think, and obviously family is one of the biggest uh, themes throughout the entire Star Wars universe. Obviously, like the original trilogy, the big theme was Vader and Luke and like family and that sort of way. I think the ending to this Bad Batch episode is signified that this is obviously going to be a big part of um, <clears throat> this series as well. We yeah. get a wrecker making his own, making Omega her own bedroom and giving her his doll. I think that was lovely. Yeah, and no, I'm like, I don't. I think they're doing a really good job of not making it too similar. But I'm getting like Ghost Crew vibes from Rebels. Like, you know, that when that team sort of like slowly came together and you started to like them more and more as a team until by the end that like the ghost crew were just like your family. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like with, they're using that similar style of storytelling of like, let's create a new family here and then watch them grow together. And I think that's obviously what they're going for with the Bad Batch. And I think it's working quite nicely. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. It's really interesting as well, obviously with the, the, as you said, the, the image of that, the conflict between Crosshair and that immediately cuts to um, like Omega being, solidify as a member of the bad batch um yeah i think that's a really good parallel between two yeah. characters yeah and i do hope for crosshair's sake that he uh they they get that nasty chip out of his head mm. and uh get him back with the boys because uh i think they all miss each other <laughs> yeah 100 percent. that's we need, we need to see it by the end of the series if not yeah i'll be writing um i'm just trying to think did i have any other points i the only other thing i had to talk about, which I guess is like a bit of a question from the episode or, you know, predictions of what's happening. Do you think, now I'm posing this question to you, the new elite, the elite squad that they had in the Black Armour, do you think they could be sort of like the precursors or the first versions of the Death Troopers? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the armors look very similar and they, they didn't really say much, did they? I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, the Death Troopers never, speak unless they speak in that language of theirs they don't really say much but, yeah oh yeah i definitely see similarities between the two yeah, i think the like the armor obviously the fact that they're you know an elite squad and i think the other thing is you know that there was that name the project war mantle which had that connection to rogue one could it be that that project was like the death trooper what became the death trooper project you know to to make these sort of elite stormtroopers or troopers not sure but i think that's an interesting little connection i think there could be something going on there mm. yeah, no, um, no, actually that makes sense yeah so all in all another strong episode yeah i, I really enjoyed it this is this episode i was worried that <laughs> most of last week i was worried there might have been like a filler episode but then as you know as you've mentioned not like you have the you have the storyline of the character driven one and then you have the background 
stuff, which I think is all very important. So I think the stuff it contributed to the show and to the old ultimate Star Wars like mythos and stuff, I think, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think they're doing a good job of like genuinely like each episode feels like it's adding more to the series. Like yeah. it's, it's it's like a, another piece of the jigsaw which will come together at the end of the series sort of thing. Um, I don't feel yet that we've had anything which doesn't feel necessary. Um, and I do think in Clone Wars and Rebels, they did from time to time stumble across those episodes where apart from sort of showing you something silly and fun that you haven't seen before, didn't really add anything to the shows. You know, Rebels had a couple of episodes like that in each of the series. Um, Clone Wars had quite a bit of it as well. Um, I think we probably talked about this last week, but I just think that so far, these first three episodes, I think all three of them have been consistent in adding something important in each episode to the show or multiple important things to the show. And as you said, to the mythology, um, I do think, you know, so far that first episode still stands out for me, but it's hard to beat a 70-minute big premiere, which starts yeah. off with Order 66 and, you know, Kane and Jarrus. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, definitely hard to beat. I do think when you look at, like, the, the beginning of Clone Wars, the beginning of of Rebels, I do think this, at, so far, I think is the most consistent start. I know we're only three episodes in, but I do think this is a pretty consistent start. Mm. No, yeah, I agree with that. Right. I think that's uh, pretty much got that episode covered. I think we ended yeah. up ended up talking about that longer than I thought we would. So that's good. That was um, <laughs> yeah, clearly plenty to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I'm excited for next week's episode. I'm I'm not sure when we're going to see Rex, but I'm hoping they get to Rex soon. I think it'd be good to see Rex soon. I'm hoping next week. Um, yeah, because. But then I'm soon. also not going to spend every week thinking, "Oh, we're going to see Rex this week," because then I'll be disappointed every week that we don't see Rex. And then yeah, yeah, creates that bias that it's not good if you're trying to be objective about episodes. <laughs> but oh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing Rex and um, just looking forward to more Bad Batch. Mm. Yeah, I'm very much enjoying this show. I can't wait for next week's episode. Yeah. I've, um, I do have to add, no, this is completely unrelated to Bad Batch, but I, uh, I have to tell you, John, I've been, I've been reading this book this week, Lost Stars. And I sh- I'm sure there'll be people listening who know Lost Stars well. And oh my God, I genuinely have not been able to put this book down. It's incredible. It's I genuinely think it might be the best Star Wars book I've read. Um, I say that about a few of them progressively, but it uh, <laughs> it's incredibly good. Um, I'd like the, 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 the concept of the story is just like, it's like Romeo and Juliet in Star Wars, but the way it's written, it's just, oh, it's unbelievable. The way it ties into the original trilogy, it's just oh chef's kiss i'm not finished yet i still got another like 200 pages to go but i just have to i have to vent about it a little bit in a positive way it's unbelievable i'm loving it oh nice <laughs> yeah i mean i'm still trying to read uh light of the jedi yeah 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 and i might i might actually i might have to slip uh lost stars into our onto our book club for next month i might have to do it <laughs> yeah fair enough i'll have to cop it on just because i'm enjoying it so much yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're glad you're sinking your teeth into Light of the Jedi. Yeah, so, I think I'm like a third of the way in. I think. Have you, yeah, have you got through like the the first act. I think cause it, the book split into three parts. I think. Yeah, I think I'm just about to come up to like the end of the first act. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been good to be fair. Good, it's a, a good read. It's quite a big opening, isn't it? Like there's 
Yeah. Quite exciting. Um, there you go. And then, yeah. Looking um, forward looking to discussing forward to talking, it. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to talking about it. In a um, couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. I think, be, I think we, we said, I think it was the beginning of May that we talked about it. So it'll be beginning of June that we, uh, we do our discussion on it, but that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Me too. Anyway, well, uh, thank you very much to everyone who listened in to our uh, review of episode three of the Bad Batch, and uh, yeah. cheers, John, for your uh, your strong words. <laughs> My political insight into Star Wars. Political um, insight and in strong words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, thank you for listening. Right, yeah. Thanks everyone for listening, and we will catch you next week for episode seven of Life from Vader's Castle about episode four of The Bad Badge. <laughs> That's going to get <laughs> confusing. Yep. <laughs> right. Thanks for listening. Yeah. yeah. See you next week. Right, bye. <laughs>